Chapter Five of Geographical Reader Europe by Frank G. Carpenter. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Betty B. Chapter Five: The Scottish Highlands, Edinburgh, the homes of Robert Burns and Walter Scott. We shall take our guns with us this morning. We are going into the Highlands and may get an invitation to hunt upon one of the big estates in the past northern scotland was owned by the highlanders who lived chiefly by raising sheep and cattle and by hunting they were divided up into clans or tribes much as our american indians were each clan was one family some clans containing thousands of cousins all of whom went by one name and fought and worked together every clan had its chief and was ready to fight at any time with the neighboring clans or outsiders the clans had their own war cries and badges and shawls woven in different plaids the chiefs had great castles and maintained a sort of court about them at that time the lands belonged to the clans being divided out from time to time among the members by the chiefs later on they passed into the hands of the chiefs and the poor cousins served as their tenants then the chiefs found they could get more for the lands by selling or letting them as hunting grounds to outsiders than by rearing sheep and cattle they drove the poor tenants away sometimes burning the cabins over their heads to keep them from returning one by one they sold their farms so that the greater part of northern scotland now belongs to rich strangers the country is one of large estates seventy men owning more than half of it many of the states are held by englishmen and americans who come here during a part of each year to shoot game and the demand for such shootings is so great that the pastures have been allowed to grow wild to supply it hills and valleys upon which hundreds of cattle and sheep once fed are now given over to the deer and grouse and there are millions of acres devoted to hunting and fishing there are deer parks of thousands of acres vast forests in which all but the owners are forbidden to go and where the poor highlander will be surely arrested if he kills the deer or snares birds or rabbits there are more than four thousand shooting grounds some of the shootings bring high prices and it is said that the duke of sutherland receives about a quarter of a million dollars a year as rent for his fish streams and forests we skirt the edge of the highlands as we go from glasgow to edinburgh by the trossachs seeing many men hunting grouse with dogs and guns as we ride in stages over the moors we sail over loch lomond and across loch katrine through the scenes described in sir walter scott's poem the lady of the lake all the highlands of scotland are beautiful and the trossachs are especially so the moorlands are covered with heather low bushes which look like sprigs of dark green pine set into the ground and which with their little rose-coloured blossoms coat the low hills and the sides of the mountains with masses of dark green and rose we stop at stirling to see the great castle where mary stuart was crowned queen of the scots and afterward visit the chamber in the castle at edinburgh where her son james the sixth of scotland who was afterward james the first of england was born edinburgh castle stands on a rock three hundred and fifty feet above the level of the sea and when you read some of english history you will learn what a terrible time queen mary had there 
mary was the last ruler under whom scotland was a separate nation for her son james became king of both england and scotland which since then have been united the scottish highlanders are now among the best soldiers of the united kingdom of great britain and ireland we see many of them when we visit the castle in edinburgh they are dressed in the costume once common throughout the highlands and at first we hardly know whether they are women or men they wear plaid shawls on their shoulders and have kilted skirts of bright colors falling in plaits from the waist to the knees their knees are bare and it is several inches below them that the plaid stockings begin they wear turban-like caps with ribbons at the back and their shoes are bound around with white canvas bands each man carries a sword and a musket and has a fur pouch at his belt while some have a knife in the top of one stocking we see boys wearing this costume on the streets of edinburgh although most of the children dress as we do excepting the soldiers the style of dress of the scotch is much the same as our own some of the poorer women and children go about without hats and some are barefooted we meet fishwives from new haven in short gowns and bare arms carrying great baskets of fish on their backs and out in the country we see women standing in tubs with their skirts tucked up to their knees treading the dirt out of the clothing instead of using washboards as we do the scotch people are noted for their thrift and economy both men and women are industrious and saving and the women hoe in the fields and work in the stores the hotels and the factories we are delighted with edinburgh it is a beautiful city noted as a centre of culture and learning more books are published here than in any other city of great britain except london its university is attended by about three thousand students and it has so many great scholars that it is sometimes called the athens of the united kingdom we are in the city on sunday how quiet it is the cars are not running the stores are all closed and the streets are almost deserted the scotch keep the sabbath more strictly than any other people of europe they go to church or remain at their homes there are no sunday newspapers and it is hard to get a carriage for a ride in the parks we go to the cathedral and find the church filled it was here that john knox preached and by taking a little walk down high street we can see the old stone house where he lived he was a great religious reformer who did much to make the world better over the door of his house we see the words carved in the stone lord god above all and your neighbor as yourself have you ever heard of the great bridge which crosses the firth of forth near edinburgh it is bigger than the one connecting manhattan and brooklyn and is the mechanical wonder of scotland it is an enormous structure of stone iron and steel more than a mile and a half long built upon piers with spans high over the water we get some idea of its size when we are told that it has cost more than our capitol building at washington and that the rivets used to fasten the iron together are so many that if placed end to end they would reach from edinburgh clear to the end of great britain and across the english channel to france from edinburgh we make a trip to ayr where robert burns the great poet of scotland was born the train takes us through rich fields separated by green hedges and moss-grown stone walls the crops are luxuriant and we see that the lowlands have excellent farms 
there are many small farmhouses with stables about them but no great barn such as you see in our country robert burns was a farmer and he ploughed the fields just as that farmer is ploughing them now over there at the side of the road his home was near air where we leave the train and take a carriage to drive out to alloway the little village in which he first saw the light of this world we visit the cottage in which he was born it is a stone hut with roof of thatched straw the door is low and there is now a turnstile within it so arranged that we have to pay a penny before we enter the floor is of stone and at the side of the chimney is the iron crane which was used to hold the kettle over the fire after leaving the cottage we visit the ruins of alloway kirk then walk for a time upon the beautiful banks of the dune and after a lunch in tam o'shanter's inn in air go back to edinburgh another day is spent at abbotsford the home of the great novelist sir walter scott the house is much like a castle it is a grand stone structure on the banks of the tweed with large windows giving magnificent views we walk through the library where scott's interesting stories were written and admire his collection of weapons including rob roy's gun and a pistol which once belonged to napoleon bonaparte afterward we visit melrose abbey and also the abbey of dryburgh where scott was buried and then take a train south for england End of chapter 5